This morning we are going to meditate on the topic the kingdom of god the kingdom of god and also it's also is called the kingdom of heaven because in matthew's gospel we find kingdom of god and kingdom of heaven being uh, you know mentioned many times and i feel and i learn that is a synonym that's kingdom of god and kingdom of heaven both means the same so um, before we go into this the kingdom of god we have to see how important the kingdom of god is because when we turn to the bible it says that kingdom of god is something that was preached right from the beginning of the ministry of john the baptist and jesus christ and and for the and even till now and we are quickly we are going to see a few verses from the bible now if you remember uh john the baptist how did he start his ministry anybody can this is another yet quiz can anybody say how john the baptist started his ministry in the sense what words were he ta- saying when you read the bible repent for the kingdom of his at hand and if you remember how did jesus start the ministry what did he say literally he said the same thing repent for the kingdom of god is if you can turn to matthew chapter uh, matthew uh, mark chapter 1 verse 14 mark chapter 1 verse 14 and 15 so here it says again jesus started his ministry speaking about the kingdom of god and then he chose 12 apostles and also he could the 12 disciples whom he also named apostles and to them he gave a commission and what do what what do we read it in luke chapter 9 verse 1 and 2 luke chapter 9 verses 1 and 2 and she sent them out to preach the kingdom of god many times we we don't give much importance to this kingdom of god because is uh, is something that not mentioned much but here we find that that uh, john started with the ministry with the kingdom of god saying about kingdom of god and jesus started saying about the kingdom of god and the 12 disciples also he gave the commission to speak about the kingdom of god then later on we find in luke chapter 10 verse 1 in luke chapter 10 verse 1 he ch- he chose 70 of them okay continue verse, verse the lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go okay then verses from 8 to 11 he told them what to preach in verses from 8 to 11 Here again we find the importance that Jesus is giving to the kingdom of God. He says to the 70, go and preach about the kingdom of God. 
then we come to uh, then jesus was crucified and then he rose again then he appeared to many during that 40 days and during that time we find in acts chapter 1 verse 3 acts of the apostles chapter 1 verse 3 here after his resurrection we find jesus here speaking about the kingdom of god and then the early church started and then they chose about seven deacons and what did they do we read that in acts chapter 8 verse 12 acts chapter 8 verse 12 here again we read about what the seventh deacon so one of the deacon is philip and he started speaking about the kingdom of god then we come down to our great paul the one who wrote so many of these epistles then what he, what what was his uh, method we read uh, we read in uh, acts chapter 19 verse 8 acts chapter 19 verse 8 here again he started his preach about the kingdom of god and then whichever synagogue that paul went he started to speak about the kingdom of god then even to the churches he write about the kingdom or if he return to first thessalonians chapter 2 verse 12 first thessalonians chapter 2 verse 12 So if Paul says God has called you into his kingdom and his glory be strong and be bold and then also the same thing is repeated in 2 Thessalonians also then after that when Paul when Paul meet everyone he speaks about the kingdom of God that we read in Acts chapter 28 the end of his ministry Acts, Acts chapter 28 verse 22 23 sorry Acts 28 23 Here again we find that to whomever Paul met whoever came to Paul he started to speak about the kingdom of God now if you remember in Matthew chapter 13 we have quite a number of parables and most of these parables start with saying the kingdom of God is then the parable comes if you remember so you see how much important the kingdom of God has in the life of a man we as human beings we have to learn about the kingdom of god we as people we have to learn about the kingdom of god now we are going to meditate few things about what this kingdom is and what is uh, and what it does to us but uh, the kingdom of god is not a literal physical kingdom it is a spiritual kingdom that jesus was talking about he said if my kingdom were something literally or the worldly kingdom then it would be different but my kingdom is from heaven the kingdom of god is a spiritual kingdom we find that jesus said the kingdom of god is within you 
is it not jesus said kingdom of god is within you so that we understand from the bible that uh, the kingdom of god is not literal kingdom but a kingdom that is from it has a spiritual meaning and if you read the in uh, the most of the parables in matthew chapter 13 jesus is focusing focusing about how this kingdom in the in one parable about this wheat and tares the first parable speak about the wheat and tares there he says about the purity of the kingdom of god he says there will be two sets of people there will be weeds and tares but then in the end it will be totally it will be cleansed out so he speaks about the purity of the kingdom of god then in the parable of the mustard seed he speaks about the extent of the kingdom of god it may be just a small thing but then it will grow into such a big uh, is a mustard tree where many will many birds will come and will rest then in the parable about the leaven the leaven he speaks about the secrecy of the kingdom of god how you don't understand how the kingdom go, kingdom of god expands but he says as this woman hid that leaven uh, the the leaven in the three uh, uh, i think is three meshes of flour though he, the same man that the kingdom of god will expand he see, speaks about the secrecy of the kingdom of god something we similar to what john uh, jesus told in john chapter 3 also how from where the wind comes and where the wind goes we do not know but you know that the kingdom of god is being expanded and then in again in a uh, in the uh, parable of the treasure and the parable of the pearl is same in matthew 13 he speaks about the value of the kingdom of god value of the kingdom of god it is so precious and it is so valuable and then he in the uh, another the last i think the last parable of the fisherman he speaks about the scope of the kingdom of god everybody that net has a fisherman uh, you know throws his net to catch all fish in the same manner the kingdom of god is supposed to be given to everybody so whether they receive it or not it's another matter but the kingdom of god is supposed to be given to everybody and that's why we find the all of them started with preaching that the kingdom of god now in this preaching about the kingdom of god we can say the repentance is a part of the kingdom salvation is a part of the kingdom and the forgiveness is a part of the kingdom and the blessings are the part of the kingdom so we can say that the kingdom of god is such a huge thing which encompasses everything a man needs for in our spiritual life and that is what we are supposed to preach to others also we preach about god jesus dying on the cross but that is a part of the kingdom of god and we continue to see that um, when jesus uh, broadly speaking actually we can say that uh, you know god's kingdom is even now god reigns over all as we heard in the worship he is all in all if you turn to psalms chapter 103 verse 19 psalms chapter 103 verse 19 he says kingdom the god's kingdom he rules over all of us psalms 103 verse 9 so his kingdom rules over all it's not that as we know as we heard in the worship that god is almighty god it is not that uh, you know he is uh, limited to certain areas and certain places he is almighty god in fact he rules all over the world and also we read in daniel chapter 4 verse 3 also that his kingdom is eternal his kingdom is eternal from beginning 
to the end. It is eternal, no beginning and no end. It is the eternal kingdom. And also we read in Romans chapter 13, verse 1, he says that God appoints rulers. In Romans chapter 13, verse 1, it says God appoints the rulers of this world. So that means we see that God's kingdom is there all the time, but when it comes to man, when it comes to a spiritual relationship, then God says that there is a spiritual kingdom which he wants us to experience. And that is, what, that is why Jesus said, kingdom of God is within you. Now we, we see that uh, kingdom, in the, when we say that kingdom of God, we, we say uh, is the, we can otherwise, we can say is the lordship, is the rule, Lord is the ruler. As we have been, uh, you know, singing in the worship song, Lord, I yield myself to you. That means we are yielding ourselves to the Lord to be his subject. Lord, you are my master and you are my Lord and you are my ruler. And um, in John chapter 18, John chapter 18, verse 36, John chapter 18, verse 36, So here very clearly he says the kingdom of God is not of this world. Even though the kingdom of God is there, you see, you find that the kingdom of God is, he is sovereign and he rules over everything. But he says when it comes to the world, he is not going to fight and make create a kingdom for himself. But the disciples thought so because even we find that one of the disciples even took a sword and uh, he said, uh, shall we go and fight? So we find that the disciples thought a little different from what Jesus taught about this kingdom of God. And we find that Jesus, it is not of this world. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, Jesus says, uh, Paul says, the kingdom of God is not in word. If you can read first. So he says, we find Paul says that the uh, kingdom of God is not in speaking, not in words, but, but of power. And also in Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Here Paul again says, the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, now we know the importance of the kingdom and what the kingdom of God is. Kingdom of God is power, and the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, usually they say that when the Romans, when they conquer a new territory, they, what they will do is before the Caesar, before the Caesar comes to visit that new territory, they will change a lot of things in the territory so that it will look more or less like their own cultural building, their own setup. You know, that is what literally we find is happening even in our place here. And uh, they try to change things so that it will be more, you know, in, um, you know, it looks very similar to their own place and their own setup. The same and we find when God wants to have a kingdom, he changes things in our life. He changes things in us so that when he comes 
or when he is there, he feels at home. I think that's one simple way of putting it up. God should feel at home in his kingdom. That is within myself. Now we can say this kingdom of God, that a man can have three relationships, three ways of relationship with this kingdom of God. First one is he can be far from the kingdom of God. And second thing is he can be near the kingdom of God. And the third experience is he is in the kingdom of God. If we turn to Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. Okay. He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. That is one experience where we can worship God, we can speak about the things of God, but our heart is literally far from him. You know, and I was just thinking, what could be the you know, good example? And I thought I myself is a good example. Because there were years I've been singing songs, hymns, and uh, lyrics and all that. But my heart was far from God. I mean, that would have been the experience of most of us. We have been singing about God for years and years, but our, literally our heart was far from God, isn't it? And another group of people we can say are those who do not know Jesus, like those who are from other faith. Literally, they do not know about Jesus. They may just, they heard about Jesus, but literally they do not know about Jesus. And Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 13, he says, speaks about the Gentiles, he says, we, the, we were far from the kingdom. The, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 13, Here it says, but now in verses 30, verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off, that means we were far from the kingdom of God. We did not know anything about the kingdom of God. We were far from the kingdom of God. That is, for example, simply to understand better, it's about salvation. We never knew about this salvation. We were far from salvation. But by God's grace, the God has saved us. So that is one experience. We can be far from the kingdom of God. We can speak about the spiritual things and the biblical things, but literally our heart is far from the kingdom of God. And um, there are many things about, we have a man of uh, God who he shared his experience this way. He said, I've been going to a church for literally 35 years, and somehow I and God, we never met, you know. That could be experience. We have been going to church for many years, but we never met. And uh, it's quite surprising because when you have in the Acts of the Apostle in chapter two, you have a huge, well-established, magnificent built temple. But 
At the same time, just beside the temple, there is a small in a house, people were meeting together as a church. You can see the difference. It was such a magnificent building, but beside that is a house church where God was literally moving and filling with the joy of the disciples of God. So that could have been our experience, and that could be the experience of many of our relations, our relatives, going to church regularly and doing so many things, and but do not have, do not know about this kingdom of God, and do not know about this salvation. That is being far from the kingdom of God. And uh, Gentile, when it speaks about Gentiles, literally we all are Gentiles, isn't it? We don't have any blood relationship with the Jews. We are all are Gentiles. We were far from the kingdom of God, but God by his mercy has shown us this gospel to us. By his grace and mercy, God has opened our eyes to see the gospel and to receive him as a Lord and Savior. And there is another experience that we read in Mark chapter 12, verse 34. Mark chapter 12, verse 34. Mark chapter 12, verse 34. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God, and thence from then on, no one dared ask, uh, ask any more questions. So here he says, Jesus says, You are not far from the kingdom of God. Here is a man, and he wanted to test Jesus, and he asked a question, which is the greatest commandment and all that. Then, uh, then uh, the Jesus answered, uh, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And, uh, and the uh, second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than he in verse 30, 30, 31. And the scribe said to him, Right, teacher, you have truly stated that he is the one, and there is no one else beside him. And to love him with all the heart, with all the, uh, with all the understanding and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as himself is much more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. Literally, he's telling you know, the truth. It is not just all these burnt offerings and sacrifices, but it is to keep the commandment of God, to love God and to love your, the neighbor as yourself. And for that, he's, Jesus said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Now, what could this mean? You know, somebody said, God has no grandchildren. No, God has no grandchildren. Because I am in a born-again church does not mean my children are also born again. You get it? We do not take for granted that because I am in a born-again church, I am in a believer, I am a believer, my children are also born again. Maybe our prayers and our you know, intercession and uh, by the help of the Holy Spirit, there's, there's, that they will be and they may be born again. But it is not that literally because I'm in a church, they know automatically they are also born again. Here I would say this. This is a danger for the present generation. Because people who, who were uh, born again, and they came out of the literal, they were sort of fed up with the system and the religious, all this tightness and sit and stand uh, commandment and uh, all this. They came out and started the free worship and free 
you know the uh, word of god and a free worship and the start of the church now there's another generation which comes after that but they are born in the church isn't it so we have to be very careful we have to especially those who are grown up if you are in the church make sure that the kingdom of god is within you you may know the verse very clearly you may know it thoroughly because you are in a believers church i think you will get what i mean because we have so many uh i was just you know uh, frankly speaking i was just uh, for as steve were here and i was just uh, going through this matrimonial yes, things <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i was surprised and there is a catholic uh, person but he says born again believer it is so surprising the word born again or a believer has no real meaning at all now everybody in the assemblies of god and every boy and girl and every boy and girl in every you know i'm not speaking every age alone every believing church they say we are born again we are born again but we do not know the real experience isn't it so we had that's what i would say it means you can be near to the kingdom of god you may know everything everything just like this about the kingdom of god but you may not be in the kingdom of god so we have to be very careful we have to be very careful about we are especially in my own family setup you know they speak about every because they're so religious the religion this is so religious they speak about the love of god the grace of god the blessings of god but when it comes to you have to be you have to repent you have to be born again you have to take baptism it is it's like you have come to a dead end you can't go any further no so you can understand how much this word means to jesus you are close to the kingdom of god you are near to the kingdom of god but yet there is one step that you have to take that is the step of commitment that is a step of accepting the lord as our lord and savior and then thirdly there is experience we we'll read in luke chapter 7 verse 28 luke chapter 7 verse 28 i tell you among those born with me there is no one greater than john at the one who is in the kingdom of god you may think that you are not talented you may think that you don't have any gifts you do you may think that you are sort of a timid person but if you are in the kingdom of god you are somebody who's of great value you are greater than john the baptist that's what jesus said he who is in the kingdom of god is greater than john the baptist and also we read in john chapter uh, Ma- matthew chapter 5 verse 19 matthew chapter 5 verse 19 here again speaks about somebody who's in the kingdom of god now we you we can be far from the kingdom of god 
by God's grace, if you are born again, we praise God for that. And uh, there could be somebody whom you know that who is far in the kingdom of God. We have a burden for them. And then there could be somebody who is near to the kingdom of God. And for them also we need to pray that the Lord will open their eyes to come into the kingdom of God. And the third experience is being in the kingdom of God. Now how do I come into this kingdom of God? How can I be in the kingdom of God? And Jesus said in John chapter 3 verse 3 and 5, Unless you are born again, unless you are born again, you cannot enter and unless you are born of the water and the spirit, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So first step in order to be in the kingdom of God, we need to be born again. And this born again, uh, we can say is, um, it has a few components. First I would say is repentance. First we have to repent before you are born again. Without true repentance, there cannot be a true born again experience. You need to repent and be born again. And this repentance, we can say, because wherever the apostles and the disciples and, the, and even Jesus started the ministry, they always started with saying, repent, repent, repent. Now we need to repent. What is the meaning of the word repent? It's the change of heart. It's a change of heart, the way, I have the, the, uh, the way I have to change myself. Now we need to repent of our sins and also we have to repent from our understanding of God himself. Because to John the Baptist, he said, repent of your sins. When John is preaching about the repentance, he says, repent for the kingdom of God. He says, repentance is show forth the works of repentance. That's what John says. That means you have to repent from your sin and you have to show forth the works of repentance. And um, this repentance, I would say about a man and uh, a young boy, and uh, he was suddenly convicted of his sin and he, well, he, well, he accepted the Lord Jesus. And um, then the Holy Spirit began to speak to him about this repentance. And then he started to think about his life and, and he realized there were few things that he has taken without somebody's permission. While studying in the college, he used to take a few items from the college. And once he was born again, you know, it was a fresh experience then God, this Holy Spirit began to point to him. This repentance also has something called confession and restitution. It's something called confession and restitution. You can't simply say, Lord, I'm repent. I just repent myself of all the bad things that I have done. He said, no, confess and restitute. It was a big struggle. You know, that is where the real repentance comes in. It's a big struggle. What will they think? If I go and say, then what will they think? That is the time, that is what the Holy Spirit is actually looking in your heart. Whether you really want to truly repent or you just want to try to brush aside, you know, they say, brush it under the carpet. No. You cannot just whitewash the, you know, there are cracks in the building and the wall and you cannot simply just, you know, just whitewash it. No, you can't putty it. You know, they call putty, that's right? 
No, you have to chip it and properly. That's, so this person went and he, there was an instrument that he has taken without the, you know, literally I'm using him quite modest terms. He stole, actually. He stole what he took from there, he took it and gave it, and literally there were a few who laughed at him, but in his heart, he had such a big relief. You know, because the Holy Spirit has given such a big relief. Because that is more valuable than whether the people laugh at him or mock at him. Because he knew, my God is working in my life. That is a real repentance. Then restitute, give back, within your ability, all that comes in your mind. Oh, I have done this, I have done this, I must restitute, I must put it back. So that shows the true, the, the true repentance. And that is what John says, fruit of repentance. If your repentance has not been you know, uh, brought you to a extent where you have not done any of the restitution or any of this confession, then I think it's, uh, it's questionable, right? Because God is looking for restitution and repentance. There is an example we read in the, one of the incidents we read in the Bible. It's about uh, the man called Zacchaeus. I think we know him. And uh, he was right up in the tree isn't it? He was right up in the tree. And he had a curiosity to know Jesus. And the moment Jesus came down and said, Zacchaeus, come down. He, Jesus did not speak about you know, repentance. Jesus did not talk to him about the bad things he has done. But he was pricked in his heart and he said, Lord, whatever wrong that I have done, I will restore it. And Jesus said, truly salvation has come to this house. So in this house, if there has to be a true salvation experience, I must repent, I must, the repentance, I should have a confession and restitution. And without that, if I'm trying to build up a Christian life, spiritual life, just without a proper confession and restitution, then I don't think it will last long. Because in Hebrews chapter six, we read about the foundation, the principle, basic fundamental principle of the uh, of the uh, of the, of the uh, doctrines of the six doctrines of the church, there we find that it starts with repentance from dead works. Now, repentance. Now we spoke about this repentance because we have you now quite is much easier to understand because I have done so many wrong things, then I have to repent. But there is another repentance that is also we read in Acts chapter two. In Acts chapter 2, we read about the repentance to people who are not, you know, the, 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 the people who are sort of, you know, involved in heinous crimes and robbers and this and that. No. There, Paul, Peter is talking to a group of devout religious Jews. To them, he says, repent. Is it not? We read in Acts chapter 2. Where Peter's, uh, you know, Acts chapter 2. Then Peter said okay. to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, 
So here, verse 38, okay. And there is another verse, somebody says, they were devout Jews who were gathered there for the, uh, for the in Jerusalem for the uh, Pentecost. Hmm? Yes. Now you can understand, there were devout Jews who have traveled hundreds of miles in those days, traveling was not that easy, but they took effort because they had a desire for God, and they were desire, they were they had a longing in their heart. So hundreds of hundreds of miles they traveled, even though it was quite uh, difficult uh, uh, travel. They came to Jerusalem, and it was to such group of people. Peter says, "Repent." Now, what do you think is for them to repent? If somebody says to me, repent, immediately I will say, oh, yes, yes, I must repent. You know, I have done so many terrible things. But if there is somebody who is such a devout people like Cornelius, a devout man and a religious and man with a desire for God to do things for God, to him, then the, the Peter says you have to repent. That means you have to repent your old system. You have to repent means change of heart. It's not that repent means I'm sorry for the sins I've committed. It's not that alone. Repent means the change of heart. Repent, it is, it is the Jews who crucified Jesus. That's what Peter is saying in that message. You crucified Jesus. It was him that you crucified. So repent in the sense, you may be worshiping, so you may be a devout person. I know there are many devout persons. You know, even in the Christendom, in the, even the Christian community, we have many who are very devout in their function, in their, you know, the practicing their, uh, their Christianity. But we find that they have not come to salvation. You know, we have to say they have to repent in the sense, you have to repent that you have set aside the true Lord. You have to repent that you do not accept the Lord as our Savior. So you can be a good person, but still you need to repent. Lord, I'm sorry that I have not accepted you as my Lord. I'm trying a very good person, and I've been trying to live my own life. So we find that this repentance, if you are a good person, uh, Bible says there is no one who is good, but if you think that you are a good person, still you have to repent. Now, if you are a bad person, certainly you have to repent. Okay, either you're good or bad, but still you have to Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Okay, be born again. That's what we continue to see in, this, in the word of God. We need to be born again. We need to confess. We have to forsake the sins, and we have to, uh, you know, uh, uh, take baptism and come into the kingdom of God. That's, that's how we can enter the kingdom of God, and you can be in the kingdom of God. That is very important. Now there are blessings about the kingdom of God. We read, we heard about, uh, we have been meditating on the kingdom of God, the importance, how important it is for the kingdom of God, for us to know the kingdom of God. And now we have, now we have the blessings of the uh, kingdom of God. If you turn to Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Brought us into the kingdom of his 
So we find in the kingdom of God, you have forgiveness of sins. Now the forgiveness of sin is when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, we, you say, Lord, forgive my sin. The Jesus, we see that you have been washed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But after you are born again, yet you still need to have the forgiveness of sins. You cannot say, I have been already forgiven of all my sins. Then I don't need any more forgiveness. No, we need to because the Bible says in John's epistle, it says, if you say that you have no sin, then you are a liar. So we, even after we are born again, still we need to have the forgiveness of sin. And in the kingdom of God, we have the blessing of being forgiven. Lord, even after we are born again, we say, Lord, kindly forgive me for the way that I have been doing things. Then you have the forgiveness of sin in the kingdom of God. And also we read in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of Christ and all these things will be given to you. So here he speaks about the well-known passage. Uh, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you or given to you. He speaks about God's care and provision. You know, when you are in the kingdom of God, God takes care of you. As literally a king has to take care of his subject, in the same manner, the king of kings, our Lord, will certainly will take care of us. Because the Bible has things somewhere in Romans says, he who has given his only son for our salvation will not give other things also. That's the question. He who has given his only son for our salvation, will not he give other things that you require? So that is what the question is asked in Romans chapter 8. So we find God, in the kingdom of God, we have provision and we have care. Peter says, cast all your burdens on him because he careth for you. God, even you're in the kingdom, you don't have to worry, 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 stress. Somebody said, uh, I read an article, the title of the article was, is this, saved but miserable. That sounds very odd, isn't it? Saved, but miserable. You know, I'm saved, but I keep worrying what will happen, what will happen, what will happen. How you like that, isn't it? But many a times, it is, I'm not saying that we never worry, we do worry. We do have some burdens, we do have some responsibilities. We have so many things. You know, as a husband, as a, as a wife, as a mother, as a father, as children. We have about worries about our children. We have to worry about how our children will study and come up. We do have all this. Yes, these are some genuine worries and concern. But then some begin to worry in such a way that so everything just, you know, whole, the sky has collapsed. No. We don't have to worry to such an extent that it increases our blood pressure. Give it to, leave it to the Lord. He will handle it. We do our part. We carry on our responsibility and we do to the maximum what we are supposed to do. Leave the rest to the Lord. Okay? We have in God's kingdom, we have provision and you have care. And we read in Luke chapter 18, 
Luke chapter 18, verse 29 and 30. Luke chapter 18, verse 29 and 30. Okay. Here he speaks about a new family that God is give. In the kingdom of God, you know, we are a new family. I think somewhere in Ephesians it speaks that it speaks about God has brought you into his household. That's what he says. His household. We are coming to his family. You know, uh, we call brothers and sisters. You know, nowadays that even that word brother and sister also is losing meaning. You know, we speak, we call uh, brother and then we speak behind the brother. We call sister and then we speak behind the sister. Okay. So all the, but those days, I think, when they call somebody brother, it was from the heart. You know, it was from the heart. Sister is from the heart. You know, God brings you to a new family. You know, new family. There was a place where Jesus was preaching to, in a house and it was packed. And the disciples uh, and their parents, I mean, not the, parents, the mother and the brother, brothers, Jesus' brothers, they came and uh, they wanted to meet Jesus. I think you have, might have read that passage. And uh, Jesus, or somebody came and told Jesus, Jesus, your mother and your brother, they are waiting outside to see you. Then Jesus said, who's my mother and who's my, who are my brothers? Those who do the will of God. You can see how much importance that was given to the spiritual relationship than the physical relationship. You know, I'm not saying that uh, physical relationship, the blood relationship is not of importance. It is good to have them. It is God, it's God-given relationship. But then we have to keep in mind, when I come into the God's family, I have new brothers and sisters. And as we heard, I think, um, uh, uh, we had the last uh, Friday, the last Sunday Bible study. You know, the community, the, in the early church, they had everything in common. You know, they knew each other so well. If somebody was in need of something, literally they will chip out everything to fulfill that genuine demands. It was like that. So it was such a close relationship. People who loved each other and who are, who are willing to lay down the life for each other. It was such a wonderful relationship. It, that's how the church started, and it was going on in the beginning. So we find when you come into the kingdom of God, you have new brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters who will genuinely uphold you in the prayers, who will genuinely come out of the way to help you in your needs. You know, there are brothers and sisters who will really or concerned about your spiritual life and your well-being. That is a new relationship that God has given us. And uh, you know, it, is a, it is a wonderful thing because um, you know, the relationship that we have with the, uh, uh, um, uh, the blood of Jesus is greater than the blood of our relatives. So that we have to keep in mind. I have a new family now. I have a new relationship now in the kingdom. I feel, I feel free to share my things with one another because they will take my things in prayer. They will intercede for me. They will take, they are concerned about my real, real well-being. 
and also be in in um, in uh, Romans chapter 14 Romans chapter 14 verse 17 Romans 14 17 Yeah, he said, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. There you have the, you know, going along with the Holy Spirit. In the kingdom of India, in the kingdom of God, literally God, the Holy Spirit is there to help you, to guide you, to comfort you, to strengthen you, to do everything for you. So we find in the kingdom of God, all these blessings are there. And the Holy Spirit is the one who helps you to be transformed, to glorify his name, isn't it? We find the Holy Spirit gives you the joy. The Holy Spirit gives you the power. And the Holy Spirit gives you the peace. The Bible says, a peace that passeth all understanding. You know, everything may turn upside down, but still we have a peace, we have a strong confidence in the Lord. My Lord is in control. He will take care of things. You know, we, uh, somebody said we believers should never be panic. We should not, oh, what am I, oh, no, we should never panic. You know, God is in control. God is in control. So we have to have, when you're in the kingdom of God, we have all these blessings. You have forgiveness. We have God's care and provision. You have, we have God's family. And you have the God's spirit helping you to go on and to glorify his name. Now, my question is, what is your relationship with this kingdom of God? You know, if you are if you're far from the kingdom of God, you worship God, you sing songs, but you still haven't met the Lord, then I would say this is the time that you have to commit yourself. Lord, let thy kingdom come. When we say the prayer, Lord, we say the prayer, isn't it? That's what Jesus taught us to pray, sir. Let thy kingdom come. Let thy will be done as it is in heaven. Let thy kingdom come. Let thy kingdom come where? It has to come within me first, before it could come on to the others. It has to come within me. Let your kingdom come within me. And in his kingdom, you know, God's will is done. And that's what Jesus said. Not all who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but those who do the will of my Father in heaven. So he who does the will of my Father in heaven, he will enter the kingdom of God. So we have to do the will of God. And somebody said, in heaven, how does the will of, how the will of God is done in heaven? You know, that's what we say. Let the kingdom come and let the will be done as it is done in who's doing the will of God in heaven the angels you can see the angels okay now how do they do then God says Gabriel go to Mary and say this and that then Gabriel goes to Mary and then says only the 50 percent of God what God told things would have been very different isn't it that means they fulfill the will of God totally and, and uh, instantly. That's what uh, we can understand. In the same manner, when we say, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and if that is in my life, in, in, the, in you, I'm your kingdom. You say kingdom of God is in me, and in my life, I should do the will of God 
fully up to my understanding from what i understand is the will of god i have to do it fully and uh, quite interesting you know this is something that i'll say in finishing i think here and uh, we say god is almighty god right our god is almighty there is nothing in the old testament and in the new testament says i think somebody says nothing is impossible with god and in other places it says all things are possible with god so literally both mean the same right nothing is impossible all things are possible but we have to understand he is almighty god we call him el shaddai but he limits himself to his will and his word you know god can say one word and he can consume everything but he limits himself to the revealed word and his will yeah and uh, by doing that you know that's why we find that god is showing his will in this word so we have to read the word of god and to understand the will of god god is almighty what he does is we cannot comprehend now somebody said um, you know uh, don't mistake me for saying this somebody said uh, god will make a way where there is no way isn't it we say god will make a way that's how it goes right god will make a way and said uh, god i would rather say god can make a way where there is no way it is not that god will make a way but god can make a way where there is no way because when it was about the israelites coming to the land of canaan that is the will of god and anything that will come in between he will break it now when it comes to the life of james who was present along with peter god could have done just like what he did to peter but he did not do that he could have done it but that was not god's will regarding him you know so i think you will understand god can make a way there's no question about it because he is almighty he can make a way but the question is in my life in my surroundings in my things lord what is your will let that be done because god has done it to somebody doesn't mean you know after i think the resurrection of jesus when jesus was coming jesus told peter you come you follow me right and uh, while coming then peter turned back and saw another man also coming behind john i think it was a john then peter said uh, jesus what about this man he said don't mind about him what i have i have for him will be done to him you just follow me right so god can make a if you think look pray lord i know that you are almighty and my life is in your hands and what you have plan and purpose for my life that anything that comes in between break it in your name it will be done you know so what is our relationship with him now we can be far away from the kingdom of god and so secondly you can be near to the kingdom of god and don't be try to be a grandchild of god that doesn't work out okay okay you may be born in a spiritual church but you need to be born again when the right time comes make a commitment say lord i commit myself to you and third experience is in the kingdom of god when you are in the kingdom of god say lord these blessings are mine okay praise be to the lord may the lord continue to speak to us